How's everyone going? This is another episode of The Mind Show and today's guest is good friend of mine, uh, a guy who's been around in the memory community for years from the beginning, Boris Conrad. Uh, he's from Germany. He's a researcher in uh, memory, neuroscientist, and also an avid speed stacker, which is that stacking cup stuff. And today we're gonna to be talking about his research, which has just gotten a bunch of attention on the news. Uh, we're gonna talk about his memory techniques, we're gonna talk about his speed stacking techniques and history, and uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, quick shout out if you haven't done this in terms of memory research, uh, a company I work with, Dart Neuroscience, is doing an extreme memory challenge. It's very simple. I talk about it a lot, but it's really easy. Just go to their website, extrememorychallenge.com, take this five-minute test, and you're helping memory research. They're trying to develop a memory drug, so uh, please go and do that. They're helping make this video possible. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Here is Boris Conrad. Mame! Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Mind Show. Uh, my name is Nelson Dellis, I'm the host, and today we have Boris Conrad, uh, a legend in the memory sports world. Uh, welcome to the show, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on here. Where Where are you right now? Uh, in the Netherlands, in Nijmegen, where I'm living now for nearly three years, and right now I'm in my office at the uh, Donders Institute for Brain Cognition and Behavior, where I spent uh, my time doing research when I'm not on the road for either training memory or computing memory. Yeah, I think that's the fascinating thing about you is you're obviously a, a high-level uh, competing memory athlete, but you're also studying the brain too, right? That's what you're... Yeah, I did my PhD in uh, psychology and neuroscience in Munich at the Max Planck Institute, uh, actually studying the brains of memory athletes. So in my PhD thesis, I looked into... Um, MRT with memory athletes to see what's happening in their brains and just recently we had a paper accepted in Neuron, a quite established journal in the field where we published some of these findings and wow. um, after my PhD I got lucky that I can keep doing my research and of course that I moved here to the Netherlands. So uh, here, the question is why haven't you tested me? Where, <laughs> Which athletes are you <laughs> testing? Uh, we tested athletes that were based in Europe for funding reasons, so enough. expensive enough to fly in people from England and Scandinavia to Munich, so we had <laughs> the, uh, sadly had to skip on, on the Americans. Got it. How uh, well? Okay. <laughs> and so what, what were the results? What, what have you found or what was the exact testing you've been doing? We've done tons of testing, so okay. I could talk about it for hours properly, but the main findings are compared to a control group of um, yeah, similar age, intelligence, uh, background, um, we do find no actual differences in brain structure. So huh. the size of the brain, but also different brain regions uh, are not distinguishable. It's quite interesting because there are some studies looking into groups right. and that do find group group effects on, on that kind of analysis. But if you go on a bit, it gets more interesting. So when you look, for example, at the connection level, how different brain regions communicate with each other, then we do find quite interesting findings. Interesting, yeah, because uh, I think the first time I heard about it with um, Moonwalking with Einstein, they talk about the cab drivers who learn the knowledge, um, mm -hmm. and they said that after studying it, their hippocampus grew, right? Yeah. And then I've heard other things where if you train your brain, your hippocampus grows. Um, but you're saying that maybe that's not necessarily the case? 
Um, it seems to be the case for some form of trading. Obviously, the cap driver study is well established and, and replicated. Um, with other forms of trading, it's sometimes a little less clear, but there are certainly forms of trading that lead to uh, yeah, so neurogenesis, uh -huh. uh, to new neurons building built in the hippocampus. But um, trading for memory competitions does not seem to be a form of achieving that. And uh, I don't know if it's a second use. It's actually quite interesting because it means something else is happening because obviously perform people is highly increasing when they train and it actually in our opinion just shows that it's not um, a hippocampus dependent form of learning you're just training over and over but instead you're finding maybe a more efficient way of memorizing information that utilizes well more different uh, memory systems and by the different parts of your brain and we actually do find that because we do find uh, increased connectivity between us brain sure. regions and the hippocampus. So the hippocampus certainly has its role, but it doesn't get trained itself in the huh. form of memory training. Uh, memory is leads to. Interesting. I was working with a, a neuroscientist a few years ago. He made a speech at the U.S. Championship, I think, in 2012. And his research, he does a lot of stuff with Alzheimer's, and he would, I think, what he found was at least what he says in his his uh, speeches um, about his research is that people with um, larger than average hippocampus tend not to get Alzheimer's. Um, there's, he showed some correlation between that. But, and then the next step was saying that training your memory in, or exercising your brain increases the size of your hippocampus, but maybe that's not the case. So uh, I'll have to figure it's out a, another way to... What? It's not the case for the memory of sleeps, uh, the way we, we tested them. Actually, um, the same group that did the cap driver testing already did a study on memory of sleeps many years back who were on a much, much lower level and much less people, but they also did not find it. So um, Interesting. It seems to be consistent. Interesting. Very cool. I would love to talk about um, your very early uh, memory days. Like how did, because when was your first competition? In 2003. Wow. Okay. So I had Ben on the show uh, last year, and I think I, I think he started around the same time, right? I think he's even a little earlier, earlier. a year or two before me. But okay. I think there are not many veterans that that long in the field anymore. No, it might be just you guys. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get started? First of all, when did you hear about memory com uh, memory training, and and what got you interested? Uh, Actually, quite funny, it was in January 2002 that on German national private television there was a show called the uh, yeah, German Clips Show, which actually kind of translates to the mind show a little bit, uh, where they had um, a bit like the brain, which is now on, uh, already people um, showcasting their um, different mind sports. And one of them was Dr. Gunther Karsten, back then the German oh, yeah. memory champion and kind of um, most competitive German memory athlete. And he, he was on there. He showed that he can do something great, but more importantly, he also got to train an actress who was uh, playing also in real life the little dump women. Uh, most people knew she wasn't, but it was kind of a fun aspect of it. And uh, the intended plot that people think, well, if she can do it, I can do it, worked well for me. <laughs> so I, I, convinced I, I needed to know more about it. I was a year before doing final exams in Germany, which I did in 2003 for, for my high school. And I was always decent in school without spending too much effort on it. And the promise that there is a way to uh, make learning easier and uh, maybe get better grades for these exams and later on at university sounded quite appealing. So I first got a book, um, as many people do, read a bit about it, used some locations for some exams, but didn't think too much of it. Um, it helped me a bit, yeah, okay, but then the book 
uh, got covered in dust, as it often happens. And a year later, they had another episode of the show, uh, a new episode, and there was a guy on there, uh, Malo Galinsky, who did not happen to carry on his memory sports, so okay. people nowadays maybe will not recognize that name, you can find him in the rankings. But he was on there exactly my age, and they asked him, how did you start? And he said, I saw the program a year ago, I got a book because I wanted to do better in the final exams, and now he was standing there memorizing a number with a thousand digits. And I was like, what the heck, Like I also got a book, and that's no way possible. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what I did back then, ICQ was the Facebook of the time, so I went on ICQ, and he had a quite unique name, I found him. Uh, he told me all about Memory XL, this new amazing club that was just founded in Germany, which I'm not the president of for more than 10 years. Um, that had a great website where you could practice. Um, he mentioned me uh, a better book, the book by Gunther Karsten, um, which I then got, and that kind of got me into it. So I then started to really practice it, and yeah, kind of still was the aim to do well in academia, to do good at university, and it certainly helped me a lot with that. But yeah, back then already, then I also discovered Wire Memory XL, that memory is also a sport, and I wanted to give it a go. Yeah, and then so since 2003, what are your what are your like stats? Like, how, have you won anything? I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm playing down here. Tell the audience what what you've done, <laughs> what records you've had, or. Yeah, so I, um, at the beginning, started to see that I maybe have a talent compared to other memory athletes for mostly words and names and faces. Okay. Um, it seems to be a pattern that there are athletes who excel in these two disciplines compared to, to others. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> quite early on, I managed to win German and words, and not much later, uh, two or three years later, I got the world record in the discipline. Back then, was 199 words, I think, that was wow. my first world okay. record. And then I proceeded over the years to beating the world records for words and names and faces, short and long uh, versions of that, quite a few times. Nice. Um, with the German team, who I got lucky to be a part of, um, because it has even stronger athletes than me, I won the team title at the World Championships, I don't want to lie, but I think five times by now, nice. Um, nice. and I reached uh, the finals of the Extreme Memory Tournament, yes. um, by Nels yeah. team, um, when it was, I think, seed at number eight or nine, so I managed was, to reach the final. That was awesome. That was such a cool, like, I felt really proud of the competition, and obviously for you, because it was like, it just showed that, not that you're not the best, but it, that anyone on any given day can like get to the finals if they're like having a great day, and you were just doing really well. That was awesome. Uh, it's a, maybe a little too many uh, um, positive emotions because I then ended up messing up a three to one lead in the finals, oh, yeah. so close to winning it because I had images against Hannes and was the thing then the favorite for that discipline and probably also for winning the thing. Yeah, and wow. I messed that up and uh, gave him that. He well deserved it. So yeah, yeah. I think I got myself a name there also by being passionate about memory. And uh, I, I think like it's sometimes summarized that people can hear in the room if I did good or not so good. Yeah. <laughs> Boris is known, for those who don't know, uh, for his uh, really loud... Uh, exciting outbursts of positive emotion and also negative. Uh, he's uh, very well versed in German curse words. Uh, <laughs> it's the best thing to watch. Although the last XMT, you were very like, ton you toned it down a little bit. I was disappointed. 
I was waiting for these. I mean, like a testing. It, it, I never played it, so people wanted to play it. And I just what came out, and it's uh, <laughs> if I know, I probably won that one because I pressed first and feel really confident. Um, like I maybe I'm less outgoing. I actually won it. While when I won against Simon that specific year, I was totally. I made the half final. That's obviously the best I could do because Simon won the year before. He like I think won all the matches by. Uh, with no points against him the whole yeah. tournament through. So it was like, yeah, I reached the half finals, but Simon is, is in the mood. Uh, I won't be able to beat him. And then I won the surprise event and didn't expect it. So let it out. I think that kind of confused him because then he messed up the names. And yeah. I couldn't believe I beat him in names back at that year. In this format, he was a champion in names. And yeah. so it was just a surprise and made the outburst. And the same thing if I have it all set in, I'm confident I got it correct, it's all good, and then I make a mistake, then, oh my shit, that's the word. Yeah, I'm going to try and put a few of the clips here, <coughs> so people can see it, <laughs> if you don't mind. <clears throat> um, so another thing you're very passionate about, and, and also a champion in, is the speed stacking, right? It's true. Um, so they're... Stacking um, cups. On my level, I'm a champion. It's stacking right. cups up and down. I don't have any in my office. Uh, Gosh, yeah. I just want to show you what can also put a clip if you like. Yeah. Um, it, it's a big thing in the US, but also in Asia. Um, it's totally much more people than memory sports has. Um, and I'm only a champion in my age division there. So it's actually a thing where kids, mostly teenagers, still um, beat us a long way. So Because well, uh, they have smaller hands or what? Lighter, <laughs> lighter arms? You think Donald should be good at it? No, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, I, I, I think it's basically when you start doing it, because we now have a lot of, not kids anymore, um, young adults in the collegiate division in sports stacking, we have many more age divisions than in memory, collegiate means 19 to 24 years of age, and there's now a good number of mostly American and German students who started when they were just 12 or 13, oh, wow. and they still get better than they ever were, and like totally crash any records I previously had set in that age division many years back, because um, if you're young, your brain is more plastic, you learn these movements which are not typically part of your life much faster and get much more proficient in them, and I think that's the most likely explanation. Uh, I started as a young adult, I started the sports taking when I was just 18 or 19, um, and these people started when they were eight or nine or maybe 12, 13, and then they just learned it much faster. So um, I guess if the sport keeps keeps doing well, it looks like it. It's still quite popular. It's not decreasing in popularity. Um, in, in quite a few years, the records will actually be in the young adults' age division, as wow. you do see in a lot of the Olympic sports. So in the stuff where it's really being fast uh, in the moment, uh, that's often where people in their early 20s do best. And I think we will have the same thing in sports stacking uh, when there are enough people there who started as kids and just kept going. Yeah. Uh, it's so Excuse my ignorance, or I'm sorry if this sounds bad, but for the audience listening, I'm sure that to most people, stacking cups uh, does not evoke the thought of sport, right? Um, but it's such an obscure thing, uh, like why cups, why stacking them, you know? Um, how did this sport come around? I mean, obviously someone was stacking cups and was like, hey, how fast can I do this? But how did it, it I mean, it's a phenomenon. I mean, there's people, there's like, it's as popular as Rubik's Cube competitions, right? 
I mean, essentially, yeah, maybe a little less, but yeah, it's yeah. it's probably more more uh, popular than memory sports, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's well popular, well more popular than memory sports. It's so, how did that? Do you know the history of the sport? Yeah, I think I do do know it quite well. I'm surprised a memory athlete asked me that question, but that's fine. Uh, what's what's <laughs> the quote for? I mean, like people say the same about memory sports, right? Ah, yeah. At all, I just for our fingers. So it's sports digging. At least there's some movement involved. Yeah, you can. Uh, I do think sports is sport. So chess is uh, is part of the Olympic um, committee internationally, and uh, there's in chess is even less movement than in memory sports. So um, movement is maybe not necessarily um, determining if something is a sport or not. Um, right. Sports stacking came from. Uh, first, it came actually from Florida, so your region, from uh, someone who was teaching but also active in the juice circus, and it was just like a juggling variation, like okay. juggling with clubs. Yeah, fair enough. It was picked up by Bob Fox, who is well known in that sport, um, who is a teacher, who was a teacher in uh, Denver, Colorado, um, and he found it amazing and thought it's a great thing to get his kids engaged in in a sport that, that's new and also also. Um, not so related to other sports. So your talent that you maybe got all your life didn't make too much difference there. Yeah. So it's a sport you can do indoors when maybe it's gymnasium isn't possible to use. And it's also something you can quickly do at the beginning of class. And he just liked it as a teacher. Um, and he liked it so much that he then um, went on making it a business, uh, sweet stacks, and quitting his teaching career and going to all the teacher conventions in the U.S. for many years. Um, often with his own kids, who, because of that, mostly Emily Fox, his oldest daughter, got quite famous because her YouTube video has, I don't know how many millions of clicks. And then, yeah, YouTube, he did that all through the late 90s. So Emily Fox is about our age, but most kids who do sports taking probably still think she is 13 because the video from 1997 or something is what made her famous um, when, when she did it. And um, so he educated it to teachers. And then YouTube or video in the Internet in general made it travel across the globe, um, made it more popular. Um, and then um, I think that was the driving factor that kids then like were not just challenging their mates in their class, where maybe then two or three were really passionate and the other liked it. But just like with any sport and there were no groups and suddenly these groups were kind of forming virtually over the internet and uh, you now there were like many of these kids who are really good at it they do it each day two three hours they're wow. connected with 30 other stackers in the world we are like we do no video over the internet and yeah if one of, it's a great time he will just scream even louder than i do it's a really big thing in sports taking to scream when you did a good time so it's perfect <laughs> and we'll show their timer to the camera and they just keep pushing themselves and yeah. nowadays you have um sports taking associations in i'm sure like 30 different countries uh you have uh, in germany lots of different clubs uh we have the world championships um which Traditionally, we were in the U.S., but now for quite a few years of traveling. We had them in Germany twice. Uh, I was to Canada for it. This uh, April, I will go to Taiwan. Wow. Uh, we'll be in Asia this year. And they attract like hundreds of people. Um, and yeah, as you said, it's a bit comparable comparable to maybe speed cubing. But it's mostly kids who get into it. And they mostly get into it not by being encouraged by seniors to do it because they don't exist in sport yet, yeah. but by the internet and their peers who also love to do it. Interesting. And so talk to me a bit about what goes into stacking cups and how to become a champion, right? Because in my head, for me I don't know much about it, but for memory sports, you know, you start out, 
you improve your memory, but maybe you develop your systems to more complex ones. Is there an equivalent to speed stacking? Like if you were going to train me to become a champion, obviously you probably have to teach me the basic moves, but then if I wanted to get to the next level, are there like other training strategies or, I mean, wh how do you, wh what is it like? Um, so mostly it's really repetition to just get faster. Just muscle memory, right? It's like the pattern is always the same. People okay. wonder, do we always have different patterns? No, the patterns are set. We always do the same patterns and can, kind of try to optimize them. Uh, then you have like different forms of ways of doing it. Mostly practicing is most important. But you do see kind of these kids who are expert in it talking about different styles. And then there's a style named after some of the most famous stackers who are really good and some maybe holds a cup with a pinky a little different or puts another cup down first uh, so moves pattern around and nowadays many kids do what traditionally was left-handed style where you like start on the opposite side but then you have the first cup up maybe a tenth of a tenth of a second faster um, and so they're like optimizing the strategy in that way i do think uh, if you just keep going as also, some do it. I did keeping your style, but also will get a lot faster. Uh, another component coming into it, which in sports taking also maybe in general in the world of Germans are famous for, is in a competition, you only have three attempts. Okay. So in particular, in, in the US, we, they had it many years that they had the, the stars on YouTube, like fastest kids on YouTube, uh, who had like the best time on YouTube scene ever. Like they can do the whole pattern if it's really well in, in 5.0 seconds nowadays, even faster. But they didn't win the competition. The German won the competition mm -hmm. because you only have three attempts and then they go three times really fast. And because they, all, all, all they ever practice is go fast. Yeah. But like one out of 10 times they make it and then they're super happy. But nine out of 10 times everything falls down. And, and so if the cup falls, it's, you lose, right? You don't. I, you lose time. You can, you can fix your fumble. It's okay. part of it. Fix your fumble. It's corrected. Yeah. But obviously you will not get the yeah. best time anymore if you need to like grab a cup from the back of the table. Um, so, the, the, yeah, as I said, the longest discipline takes like five seconds. The short ones, 1.5 to 2, and the middle one, 2 to 3 seconds. Um, and the long one, like 5 to 8 seconds, depending on the age division. So, uh, there, if, if you have to grab a cup a second, it's gone, you can can forget about it. Um, <laughs> in Germany, we had a national coach all the time who really made the kids and us uh, practice to also have a safe time, which is maybe like 10, 20% slower than your fastest time, but you get it in two out of three attempts, you try to go for it. And then you do that in the first attempt, have already a good time standing, and then you have two times to shoot for your best and it yeah. works or not. But um, often that safe time wasn't good enough because in theory, training, they were faster the other kids, right. but they just do it in a competition. So suddenly there is this focus component, this mental component in it quite strongly, which also appealed to me as a memory athlete. And I still do have much more passion for memory sports than for sports stacking. Uh, I did get into it because uh, I saw it on TV also, and it was reported that there are studies, and they are out there. I, I checked them, I read all the papers that confirm benefits of sports stacking also for cognitive skills. Um, I think it's uh, a little bit exaggerated in some of the promotional material, but the basic idea is totally true, that it's good for concentration, but also even cognitive tasks. As is also if you like to juggle, that's the same oh, yeah. thing. Eye coordination, yeah, yeah. ping pong. Um, and it's also true for sports stacking, and it's how I heard about it. And um, I don't think it made my memory better, but the sports taking competitions, I guess, helped me also to get better times in memory competitions. Maybe focus too, right? Exactly. In early years, I, I would have it quite often in, in, in speed cars. I think first years, people were not really afraid of me leading 
them before speed cards because they caught bad apple fails because of that. And I think now, in the last, I don't know, what, what is it, five years, I have 90% of all my speed cards attempts in competitions good. Nice. Uh, or at least one of the two. Um, because this kind of training also helped me to to get then a, a safe time done in the competition. Yeah. And to, okay, if it goes really well, I can do a tag in 26 seconds. But if I can't get it in 60 seconds in the competition, it's not actually that much worse. Uh, it's not so valuable if I can do that. Right. So uh, now I'm quite constant in having one of two attempts in 30, 32 seconds. And that's often good enough to at least secure you know, the top position in the field. And right. if I get it on the first attempt, I can still try 20 seconds or, yeah, I mean, nowadays 20 seconds, 26 seconds is like, yeah. Good job. Uh, Slow, yeah. So I I could still shoot for the records a few years back. Then in the second attempt, if I had a good, say, first one that would secure my maybe top three position or whatever I was going for. Yeah. And so let's switch to memory again. Um, So what do you what what do you currently use for your systems for cards and numbers? Uh, For cards, I use a two card system, which is basically the band system in, in a German. Adaptation I made myself and okay. now shared also with some of the other memory athletes in Germany. Um, and so you put two cards. What? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think you talked about it with Ben before. So um, two cards get into one image by the two uh, symbols giving the first consonant. Uh, the first card's value gives the mid vocal, and the third gives another consonant. And then you just make words out of it. And um, so each combination of two playing cards, 2,704 of them, has a specific game, which I practiced over time. And it got me, took me to get it to a level that I was as fast as I was with this card system I used before. I didn't even have a PVO or anything fancy. I really had, for the first 10 years at Memory Sports, I had one card, it's one image, it's always the same. And... Uh, the guy I copied it from, Stefan Buto, told me you will never be able to do under 45 seconds. I got to 25 seconds with it. Um, so I'm still it's wondering if all the time I put into the other system, maybe I could do it at 20. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but, but that was um, what I changed it from. And yeah, your question, I put two images on one location. I kind of, in memory competitions, do that in nearly all of the disciplines. Got it. And then for the numbers, what do you have? Numbers is a subset of that, so it's a thousand, uh, so thousand three digits, number right. system being a subset from um, the card system, so it's a consonant, vocal consonant, um, as a part of the bigger system. Nice. And what are your top scores for cards in practice? Uh, in, in practice, um, I think on, on Memory League, uh, it's 24 seconds, and with real cards, 26. Okay. Wow. And then with numbers in five minutes? Okay. Uh, in five minutes, in, in practice, um, three sixty, three eighty. Uh, in neighbor camp, I think three eighty. I tried four hundred a few times, and so far didn't get it. Um, but something around there. Mm, it's one of the disciplines where I still struggle in competitions sometimes to get over three hundred. Mm. Um, but a gap in here and in there, and it costs yeah. me a couple of points with the traditional way memory squad works. Gotcha. I have a personal best in memory leak of 17 seconds. So if I For have 80 minute, digits, it, right? Yeah. Sorry? For the 80 digits in one minute. Yeah, 80 digits in one, yeah, in That's 17 fast. seconds. Wow, okay. And um, I have also a Guinness Book World Record that I did on a Chinese show where 15 three-digit numbers flashed like That's one per second. Yeah. At, um, so I also got that down to in training my best word like 30 or 40 in a row so it would be like 120 digits um, flashing at one three digit image per second uh, 
40 times after each other. So, wow. uh, my best numbers are quite good, but there are still lacks the consistency. So I like uh, the bend card system because it always gives me the chance to puzzle it together. Like it's When I go under 30 seconds, I super rarely can just click all the cards through. Uh, usually I tend to have three locations maybe missing, so that's quite a lot with the system. So it would be 12 cards, yeah. but then I can like look all the, go through the images, oh, and then, oh yeah, yeah I got it, that's, that's a fish, and oh yeah, it was here. Um, and I, I love that, it feels so great to then find it. And with the number system, it just doesn't work, because uh, I would need to go through a thousand images, and the recall yeah. time of four minutes, of course, does not allow that. So. Uh, yeah, I need to find a way to get these images to, to stick better um, that that I can do numbers without repetition, of course. Yeah, and yeah. I know the score, like 32 seconds, it's like a standard score for me in Memory League and this online competition score matches we now had, uh, I did review it once. So I often lose against people then who maybe try 28 seconds and do that without a revision. But if I go for 28 seconds without revision, it still feels for me that I have the same number of gaps as if I went in 18 seconds. Right. That only the revision will like fix it more. So I need to work on that to get better. <laughs> Got it. And what's what's uh, I'm gonna wrap up now? But uh, I'd like to know what uh, you're up to. What's next? Are you trying to compete somewhere? Are you working on another system? What's what's the big next thing for you? Uh, I'm first happy to welcome you to Germany, and we will run the Memory League event again yeah. in Germany. End so. of May. Yeah. End of May, that will be great. So, uh, I, I mentioned it, I'm already for more than 10 years the president of Memory XL, and I'm super excited about how memory sports is changing now. Yeah. It's a bit of like uncertain times, and um, that can be frightening and it's annoying how some politics are important sometimes. But I'm happy that we have our team here in Europe, and we will uh, run again the South German Championships, the North German Championships, including an open competition and nice. the traditional formats. And I will be the head of, in, in charge for both of them. And then we also have the Memory League events. So for the next months in memory sports, I focus on that. But then right. I'm already uh, looking forward to competing in Memory League events again. So I'm happy to see already on, on the horizon uh, in a year that there is an international memory league event again and yeah. um, maybe by not being at too many other memory competitions before people don't think too much of me when they think of <laughs> who to look out for so I can maybe score nicely just in this online competition where we play memory league online and reach the finals again so yeah, I'm still so. kind of confident and in this format it's kind of uh, suiting well my strengths in memory yeah, sports it's good for still, have, like um, still have chances in in beating basically anyone who's, who's out there. Yeah. And that's what I like in this format. It's much less clear who's going to win than in this traditional tennis club to the event. I mean, like Alex and Marvin right. also changed it quite a bit. So after a few years where it's always been the same three, four people, suddenly there are two more names in the mix, yeah. but it's still maybe now four or five people who might win such an event if they're all there. While in Memory League, it's close to everyone competing actually has a chance to win it. And I think that should be the future, will be the future of Memory Sports. And uh, looking forward to showcasing that in, in Europe. Very good. Thanks again for being on the show. Uh, I'm going to show some of your clips through this talk uh, uh, just because they're, they're fun to watch. Um, but thanks again. I'll see you in... in uh, in Germany soon, very soon. That's awesome, yeah. Thanks for having me again. Uh, if there's anyone who has questions about the science we do, oh, yeah. research on memory leads, just feel free to reach out to me. I'll put your, your information below. That's perfect. This paper I just mentioned is 
at this moment accepted but not published yet. Um, they need to do all the formatting. Um, I guess I'll let the world know when it, when it is out. So um, anyone really interested in the research behind superior memory in any form, not just studying memory as leads, uh, would be super excited if anyone is watching who believes to be part of the so-called um, highly superior autobiographical memory people, oh, people yeah. who have a super good autobiographical memory but maybe can't memorize a deck of cards. I would love to hear from such people because like all the forms of superior memory is what interests me uh, science-wise, research-wise. And uh, I also yeah have the plan to keep working in that field. So I would love to hear from people who might um, have a form of super memory that's not related to memory sports. Uh, just reach out to me. I would be really grateful for that. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put your contact info below in case you're one of these people. Reach out to him for sure. Um, thanks again, Boris. You're the man. Uh, you're a good guy. I can't wait to compete against you and, and run a competition with you. So I'll see you then. Awesome. Thanks for being on my show, man. Take care. Thanks a lot. See you. Bye -bye. See ya. Bye.